Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20, is the focus of the message today. It reads, and there were shepherds, this is the New International Version, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were afraid. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her hearts. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. Amen. I want to focus on this passage And it's larger context in the uh, nativity narrative in the Gospel of Luke. And lift this thought before you, learning from the shepherds. There are so many compelling characters that are part of the Christmas story as it is biblically narrated. And I believe we can learn from all of them. From Joseph, the husband of Mary, We can learn about the manly nobility and chivalry of grace that resolved before an angel's intervention to spare his pregnant wife from a public trial and from public embarrassment. From Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we can learn about the simplistic faith that says to God, no matter how difficult an assignment he gives us. The faith that says to God, be it unto me according to the Lord. From Zacharias and Elizabeth, we can learn 
and they were the parents of John the Baptist, we can learn that there is nothing too hard for God. From the wise men, uh, the Magi, kings from the Orient, we can learn that if you follow your star, if you pursue your dream, you will not be disappointed. From Simeon and Anna, those aged saints who waited patiently for the hope of Israel, for the consolation of joy, we can learn that God keeps his word. And then there are the shepherds. The shepherds. What can we learn from them? What can we learn from these common laborers who occupied the lower tier of the socioeconomic ladder of their day. We can learn from them a timely and a timeless message. One of life's ongoing challenges is identifying who or what is worthy of our attachment, our affections, our adoration. Tim Keller the pastor of the Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, an author whose voice I have come to appreciate in his thought-provoking book, Counterfeit Gods, augurs that as it relates to our attachments, our affections, we often choose badly. Our modern gods, our modern idols, position and power, money and sex, are hollow and helpless. They are fragile and finite. They are tiny and they are temporal. Keller says, and I quote, with many people, what we call as psychological problems are simply issues of idolatry. Perfectionism, workaholism, chronic indecisiveness, the need to control the lives of others, all of these stems from making good things into idols that can drive us into the ground to appease them. The Advent season brings this attachment issue, this affection issue, this what do I adore issue. It brings it into bold relief. During the observance of Christ's birth, the church unapologetically offers Jesus as a true object and the rightful heir of our affections. In this passage, to put it simply and succinctly, the shepherds teach us that Jesus and Jesus alone is worthy. We learn that from them. Now, when I saw this in the text, Ask text question, in, in what way do they teach us that he's worthy? And there are three things that, that move across the contours and corridors of this text. One is, the shepherds teach us, what we can learn from them is that he is worthy of our wonder. He's worthy of our wonder. We can learn from them that he is worthy of wonder. According to our text, the solemn silence of a Palestinian night had been punctuated by the unexpected visitation of a winged witness, a celestial courier, an angelic attendant, and an accompanying symphonic choir 
who announced that Christ the Savior was born in Bethlehem, the city of David. The, the living bread, the long-awaited Messiah, the anointed one of Israel had come to the house of bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. The living bread had come to the house of bread. After 400 years of prophetic silence, the span between the last Old Testament book and the birth of Christ, God is now moving to fulfill his promises and not only to keep his word to Israel, but to keep his word to the whole world. So God breaks the silence. And in this text, the shepherds are the unlikely recipients of this news that God is up to something. Unlikely because their work was looked on by many as meager and messy and menial, unworthy because the ecclesiastical leadership saw them as being unclean ceremonially. Yet it's to them that the Lord's angel appeared. Angel Lord came to them, not to the purveyors and the possessors and the progenitors of power and position in Israel, but to the shepherds. Not to the Roman authorities, not to the Judean nobility, not to the conclaves of ecclesiastical authority, but he came to the shepherds who were keeping watch, or literally sharing watches over the sheep at night. I'm moved by this passage. I'm moved by how the shepherds responded because when you read it, I read it in the NIV, but when you read it in the King James Version, there is a, there's an urgency. When they hear this news, the King James says, they say to each other, let us go now. They had an obvious note of urgency and immediacy. If there was ever a time for the church to get in a hurry, we need to get in a hurry now. The shepherds heard the news and, and they put their occupational entanglements on Paul's. They hit the pause button and they said, let us go now. Let us go now and see this thing which has come to pass. They understood that in the midst of the commonplace, in the midst of the ordinariness of their lives, something had happened and it inspired them with a sense of wonder. And they wanted to go and see about it. The kind of experience that the shepherds had unexpected for many it would be unmerited but it was so moving that they said listen we're going to have to leave these sheep here let us go now and see this thing that has come to pass what can we learn from them he is worthy of our wonder but not just worthy of our wonder. The second thing we can learn is that he is worthy of our witness. He's worthy of our witness. The Bible says, and, and I read it, and you can read it again. It says in verse 17 of the text, it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word. When they looked upon his face, they spread the word. When they went to Bethlehem and saw the Christ child wrapped in swaddling clothes, the Bible says they spread 
the word. When they saw prophecy fulfilled before their eyes, the word of God fleshed out before them in consonance with the angelic herald, they spread the word. They saw him, the shepherds. And the Bible says they spread the word. The most difficult passages of all for me in the Gospels is when I read how Jesus healed somebody and then he said, don't tell it. That's a hard order. Because when he's blessed you, he's able. And he is worthy of our witness. Worthy of our witness, they teach us. Worthy of our wonder, but lest I keep you too long, he is also worthy of our worship. The final lesson we learn from the shepherds is that he's worthy of our worship. A few years ago, when I was a young associate minister, I heard a sermon preached. I will never forget. It was, it was a Sunday after Christmas, and the preacher preached a sermon about what happened after the first Christmas. It has always resonated with me. And he had two points. He says, he said two things happened. He says, the, the wise men went home another way. And the shepherds returned rejoicing. The wise men went home another way, but the shepherds returned rejoicing. And the Bible says that the shepherds returned in this text, praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen when we really see it for ourselves, when we know it for ourselves, when we hear it for ourselves, you don't have to have anybody stimulate you to worship God. You'll mess around real quick and it'll get in your hands and it'll get in your feet. We really ought to be self-motivated when it comes to worship. The Bible says that they praised God for all the things they had seen and they heard. When you've been gripped by the wonder of God's power, of his pardon, of his provision, of his presence, all the things you've heard and seen, you'll worship the Lord. I'll worship the Lord because he is worthy of our worship. What's amazing to me is, and we see this pattern in Luke, and it carries over to Acts. you got to read it for yourself. So often we think worshiping inspires witnessing. But the way Luke portrays the gospel, even when we get to the life of the church in the New Testament, is that the witnessing of the children of God the witnessing of the people of faith inspires our worship. As I close today, 65 books of the Bible makes a compelling case for the worthiness of the Lord who fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies and is a hope not only for Israel, but all of humanity. Book after book, beginning with Genesis all the way to Jude, pay tribute, provide evidence,
that Jesus is worthy of our worship. But it's only when we get to the book of Revelation that the rose of Revelation has come to full bloom. Never really saw this before, but I did a word study and tracked worthy all through the scriptures. And it's only when we get to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, that there is a direct connection between the worthiness of Christ and the person of Christ. In 4 and 11 of Revelation, we hear, you're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. The writer John, as a spirit, shows him he understands what the shepherds understood. If we had nothing but the natural order of things, then there ought to be enough wonder in the creation to inspire our worship. I thank God for the beauty of his creation. Those things that I've been privy to that has inspired wonder, witness, and worship. The sculptured expanse of the Grand Canyon, the lofty heights of Mount Everest, the rhythmic turbulence and tide of the Atlantic, the cascading torrents of Niagara Falls, the meticulous design and symmetry of a snowflake, the still unfathomed complexity of the human brain, the prolific power of a proton, the majestic march of the seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall, the colorful spectrum of the rainbow's arch, the blinding brilliance of a golden sunrise, the march of celestial stars through the sky, the fleeting flash of lightning, the roar of thundering. I thank God that the heavens declare, I'm talking about worthy of our wonder. The angels knew something more though. When you read Revelation, they do not stop at affirming that the created order should inspire our wonder and inspire our worship. When you go to chapter 5, it's almost as if chapter 5 of Revelation is posed as a corrective and a supplement to what happens in chapter 4. Where there's a lamb in chapter 4 who created all that is. But when we get to chapter 5, The writer wants to make sure that our worship as the shepherd's worship is grounded on something higher than the natural order of things. And so in verse 11 and 12, what the writer of Revelation say, John, in his apocalypse, is that worthy, worthy is a lamb that is slain. And so as I close today, if you don't get moved by majestic heights 
are sunrises, are lunar moons. If you're not moved by the canyons of this earth, if you're not moved by still water, if you're not moved by the cry of a child, if you're not moved by the miracle of childbirth, if none of that helps you, if you're not moved by any of that, I've got something better for you. Worthy is a lamb that was slain on a hill called Calvary. He died. Yes, he did. He died. He's worthy of my wonder. He's worthy of my witness. And he's shown love. Worthy of my worship. He died. Yes, he did. But early Sunday morning, he got up. Didn't he get up with all power and some glad morning when his life is over? I'll fly away. Do I have a witness? I'm glad he's able. He's able. He's worthy of our wonder. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our witness. The shepherds teach us this message. And so all of us who have seen in the days remaining till Christmas, we ought to run and spread the word. And then Christmas morning, we ought to make sure we return, glorifying and praising God for all the things we have heard and we have seen. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.